Welcome to Spread the Word, a podcast brought to you by Bayes. Our mission is to interview and share perspectives on gender to our community. You're here with Audrey, Sydney, Ahana, Isha, Liz, Serena, and Erin. Liz and I are going to interview Disha today um, regarding intersectionality, the LGBTQ plus community, and more. Um, so the first question that we have for Disha today is, how do you personally think gender and race specifically affect marginalized groups within the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, so um, recently I've been doing a lot of research on this. I realized um, schools don't really educate us on LGBTQ plus issues and who they are in general. Like it's a very diverse group of people. I don't think people recognize that enough. It's not just gay, lesbian, trans people, there's so much in there. There's asexual people, biromantic, there's such a big spectrum. Like sexuality truly is a spectrum and I'm glad I'm finally realizing that now. And so recently I did a GA with peer, multicul <laughs> peer multicultural educators at IMSA and it was about a topic called bi erasure. And so bi erasure is essentially when the media erases the experiences of bisexual people. And so people who fall under that middle umbrella, you know what I'm saying? So like, like I said, sexuality is a spectrum, right? So not everyone is straight. Not everyone is just gay. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many people in between and oftentimes the media erases these experiences. And so they talk about bisexuality. It's almost like an invisibility shield. You know what I'm saying? Like that day that we hosted that GA was actually bisexual visibility day. So to draw attention to this group of people that is historically just not seen in the media at all and pretended that they don't exist. So what I found even more interesting is um, one of my favorite YouTubers, her name is Anna Akana. I don't know if you guys have heard of her, um, but she is famous for doing videos that have to do with um, psychology and mental health. And she is a bisexual woman, but not only that, she's an Asian woman. And so I was watching a podcast by her, actually, and um, she talks about how she has that double invisibility. So she's not only Asian, but she's bisexual, and both have that sort of visibility in media. Oftentimes, nowadays, the, di the definition of diversity in media is you have a Black person in there, you're good. Or like you have one person of one group, and it's usually just, they think of it as Black and white. But that's not how diversity works. Diversity is more than that. It's more than just race, it's more than just ethnicity, it's, it's sexuality as well, and it's so many other factors. And so um, I thought that was really funny that she, she had that double invisibility, right? So that's how I kind of interpret the intersectionality. Oftentimes, um, women of color, especially in the LGBTQ plus community, are not seen often. Um, and that's an issue, like even within the community, there are, is this hierarchy, right? Like there are people who will only date people who are gay or only date people who are bisexual or only like these sort of requirements. And then there's the fact that a lot of the times, like it is harder for those people who are from those um, colored communities, it's harder for them to come out and it's harder for them to be open with who they are because of that intersectionality, because their culture may not accept them, which is really just sad to see. Like I know nowadays in American culture, it's a little bit um, more accepted nowadays, but in other cultures, it's still not that accepted, so. So our next question was, how do you think the roles of 
women of color have are affected by their ethnic communities? Um, so basically, I was sort of getting to that at the end of what I was saying before. Basically, the way I see it, I'm a woman of color. Um, specifically, I'm a South Asian woman of color. Even more specifically, I'm Indian. My parents immigrated to America from India around the early 2000s. So I grew up here in the States. Um, I grew up in a very small white town and I had to assimilate, right? I had to get me some Birkenstocks, some black leggings, a big old sweatshirt, right? Um, because anytime I bring up my culture, I was proud of it. I remember when I was younger, I would love to talk about Diwali and Holi and all these holidays, right? And then when I did, I'd get made fun of. I'd be called like a curry head. Um, don't eat cows. Oh my gosh. Like if someone bring up cows for some reason. I don't even know. Um, so I experienced rejection there. Um, and then not only that, but later on as I got older, um, you know, once puberty hit, all of that, I realized I wasn't fully supported in my own community as well, in the South Asian community. I was constantly told to stop talking. You talk too much. You're too loud. Again, keep your head down. No one wanted to hear what I had to say. That's the message I got. I was told that my job was to, you know, help with the dishes, always offer chai to everyone, right? With the, the plate with burfi and like all these different kinds of sweets. Um, I wasn't... I wasn't supported in the way I wanted to be. And I think a lot of women of color experience that, this double rejection from not only the outside society, but within that community that's supposed to support you, right? Like they're supposed to be there for you, yet they're not sometimes, which um, hurts. And I know this is prevalent in a lot of different communities, not just the Indian community. Yeah, for sure. Um, our next question is, why do you think pretty privilege has such a prevalent impact on our society? And you can also talk about what is pretty privilege for those who don't know. Yes, okay. I love talking about this specific topic because I feel like um, it's not really acknowledged a lot. So, okay, pretty privilege is essentially the privilege those who are more attractive by society standards obtain. So, um, in this way, I think it's important to note that more attractive by society standards is like the key word there. And usually society standards are Eurocentric beauty standards. So as we see in the media, what we're told is beautiful is often a white girl, basically, right? Like you have to be skinny, or if you're not skinny, you have to have a big butt, you have to have boobs, you have to have all these things. We're told we need all of these to be worthy of love, to be worthy of having accomplishments in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like social media has, has definitely, I feel like accelerated this notion of pretty privilege. Like we're seeing all these different types of people all the time, which is great, but it can also be really harmful in the sense that we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people. And I've heard a ton of people say this. Um, I think it's, what's the phrase? It's like comparison is the thief of happiness something like that, right? And so what I found is oftentimes, at least at my old school, so right, I went to a really white school, um, guys didn't look at me. <laughs> um, I No one ever noticed me, right? Um, I didn't have great self-esteem back then. 
Um, it's not like people were always telling me I'm pretty, blah, 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 right? And then I go to IMSA. So IMSA is a little bit different, right? There are There's a lot more diversity there. There are people of all different races there. And the beauty standard's a little different, right? So all of a sudden people are looking at me more. Like I, I the first thing I noticed when I got there is the way people looked at me, it just changed. It's like this environmental switch, right? And so I've noticed like the effect pretty privilege has because the way I'm treated at IMSA was drastically different than what I was treated at my old school. And that itself is really sad. The fact that women are demoted in their value based off of their physical appearances. And it's really, really horrible. Um, I've had friends call me and tell me about how literally like people will look over you or just, just tell you that you don't matter, which is which is so messed up. Like I was just looking back at this one video that I posted on my on my um, Finsta story that I was ranting about this because I was so upset because my friend literally was calling me crying about how guys didn't look at her and guys didn't notice her. And she didn't think she was pretty because of this, because we're told that the way men perceive us is a reflection of our value. So if men pay attention to you, if men think you're pretty, then you're pretty. And that whole idea is, is definitely the opposite of self-love because essentially what's happening is that we're putting our worth on an external factor. And when that happens, things are obviously going to fluctuate, right? Like if someone tells you you're pretty one day, you feel good about yourself, right? But then the next day, if no one says anything, you're going to feel really gross, right? And so that's why personally, um, what I've tried to work on in this past year is to find that happiness with the way I look, the way I am through myself, because I know someone else can't give that to me. Because at the end of the day, it's just me, right? It's just me with myself. We're, and th that's how it is at the end of the day. So that's what I personally have tried to work on. Okay, so our last question we had for you was, in what ways do you think there is internalized misogyny, especially in the trans community? community to speak yet about that because um, I have looked a lot more into the LGBTQ plus community recently, but um, I do want to look more into the trans community. So I feel like I'll just talk about my own experience. Um, and so, like I said before, I had this mindset at my old school that I had to impress a guy. Like I had to get their attention. Like, like what you should was saying earlier, like I felt like I needed to act a certain way or, you know, be a little flirty, show something with a little more skin, right? Um, and now looking back, like, it just makes me sad thinking about it that I had to feel that way and that I had to, I had to get that from someone else. And I definitely have, I think we all do in some shape or form, internalized misogyny. Like I notice little things that I think, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this, right? Um, and just overall, like I've, I've seen like a definite like big aspect of internalized misogyny is the way women treat other women. So like I've done my best to support other women and hype each other off. Like we should be doing that because 
we need to support each other. Like a lot of us go through a lot of things that are hard in life and we need to be there for each other instead of tearing each other down, which um, oftentimes happens. And I was just watching this TV show on Netflix the other day. And it's like these two women in this um, workplace and there's, and they felt the need to like fight each other. It's like a thing, right? Like women in the workplace have to compete against each other. Like, why do you have to do that? Like, like let's help each other out and help each other get on top, you know? Um, just like little things like that. Um, I'm just trying to work on that specifically too. Okay, cool. Um, so I think those were all of our questions. Um, do you have anything else you want to add on? I just want everyone who's listening to this to know, like self-love is a journey. It really is. Um, it's not as easy as people say it is. I'm still not there. I'm definitely not there yet. I feel like I have a lot to grow. And um, at the end of the day, like you just have to know your worth because people are gonna constantly be trying to put you down. They're gonna try to tell you you're not good enough. And you need to know you are because you are. Every person has something good about them. No one is completely bad. No one is completely good. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And once you realize this, it just makes you like, it just makes you a more confident person. Like you just have to focus on those good things and take it day by day. It's a process. Um, someone I really like, she's a celebrity. Her name's um, Jamila Jamil. I really like the work she's done. So she made it so Instagram doesn't show ads about like dieting pills and stuff like that to kids that are a certain age and younger. And she's a big advocate for um, not just body positivity and self-love, but um, this thing called body neutrality, which I found was really cool. It's basically this concept where um, you don't have to love your body. It's almost like you, it can be something you don't think about. Because I know a lot of people suffer from body dysmorphia, eating disorders. Like it's a very prevalent thing for women, especially. And um, I, I found that to be pretty cool. So I would look into that if you're interested. But um, the whole um, body neutrality concept. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. This was yeah, really thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. Uh, Let's yeah. do it. Thank you for volunteering for the uh, podcast. We really appreciate you coming on.